There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of WCN-TV. I'm Rob Hugh, your host, and this is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. Um, Today is the first day that I have had no time to do any show prep, so I'm here sitting here noteless. I have no notes. I have no questions. I have no outline, so we're going to wing it. But we we have a great guest for you. Unfortunately, technical difficulties, he's only going to be able to be with us by uh, uh, telephone, uh, but we'll get the information out to you. And it is vital information. We're going to be talking today about addictions. And, uh, you know, I think all of us know someone who has or has in the past dealt with addictions. There are all kinds of them out there. People are addicted to alcohol, drugs, um, video games, we've got uh, social media addiction, and uh, in particularly our guest uh, today is going to be talking about pornography and sexual addiction. Our guest is Lynn Frederick, and we have just, uh, you'll be able to see him here uh, animated in uh, in video form in uh, in a short little clip. I'm going to let Lynn introduce himself, and then we'll we'll bring you on and uh, introduce him to you. So let's run this this short tape here. Start. Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence www.lynnfrederick.com. You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. lynnfrederick.com. Okay, and if we can bring up Lynn's uh, website, Spencer, um, it's L-Y-N-N-F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K, frederick.com. And um, uh, Lynn wrote a book some time ago called uh, Stand Firm. And um, he's also a regular contributor uh, to Wisconsin Christian News. His articles are extremely popular in the newspaper, 
and very useful with the information that he provides. Um, so you can find his book uh, there. It looks like the Amazon page is up. Um, but also you can order, I think, directly from his website. Lynn, uh, are you there? Talk to us. I am here. Yeah, I am here. Okay. How are you doing? I'm Well, I'm doing pretty good. As I told you, you know, I'm on uh, about day seven of COVID and I'm surviving. So I'm, I got the, the medication that I'm supposed to be taking and I'm, I think I'm starting to feel just a little bit better today. So. Well, you're... Um, you're kind of a healthy guy anyway, and um, I'm sure you're taking the right supplements and and uh, yep, and we're taking, sound good. Yeah, we're taking all of the stuff you're supposed to take, you know, according to the you know the people who believe in the, the food supplements. We've been on that regime a long time, but we, we my wife and I both still ended up getting it here, so now we're we're taking the. The things you, you're, that you can take from some doctors, anyway, that, that can help bring an end to it as quick as possible. So. Well, my wife and I have dealt with it too. We've had it um, at least twice that I know of. Um, yeah. it, it's not fun, but it uh, it's it's manageable if you do it right. So. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's uh, get into our topic today, Lynn. And uh, yeah. sorry you couldn't be with us on video. It's it's technology. Yeah, he's got to deal with things like it's, that. Uh, it's always uh, can those things can happen, and I'm not uh, the greatest at uh, technology, you know. But uh, I got a good computer; just didn't want to seem to cooperate today, I guess. But yeah. at any rate, I, I think the, the the discussion is very pertinent as always, and I want to um, I really want to thank you, Rob, because you invite me on uh, to your programs and you give um, an audience to this serious, serious problem of pornography in our culture today and addiction. And you are one of the few. Um, there are so many uh, Christian radio stations, uh, pastors, you know, organizations that um, they give me a kind of a, an odd look and then they don't want to talk to me. And because, and I think the reason behind that is, is there is so much fear around uh, the use of pornography, and it, the use of it is so prevalent that even the discussion about it seems to make people become afraid, and then they don't want to talk about it. And that, and so we end up today in our all over in our churches and in society. We have no talk rules all around pornography. We don't want to talk about it. And you have allowed me to do that, and I just want to, I want to thank you um, because it, it is so important because there are so many people that are struggling in silence. And if, if there's somebody out there listening and you're one of those people, you know that this is something you don't want to tell anybody about. You've got an issue with pornography, you're looking at it, you're, you're, uh, and you're just not, you can't stop. I mean, you've, you've tried, you've done an awful lot of things to try to stop and you can't stop. You just keep doing it anyway, but you don't want to tell anyone about it because you're so afraid that somehow you're not going to be accepted or wanted. Well, for myself, well I, re I, I, I remember a few years ago you were at, 
uh, had a uh, an exhibit table at our at one of our conferences, and um, one of our other uh, one of our speakers at the conference uh, made a comment that uh, really made a lot of sense. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pleasant to hear, but it was the truth. He said, "Your your table was the most walked by." Yeah, Meaning that people were afraid to stop and talk to you um, right. because they would they would somehow have a stigma that uh, maybe others were looking at them as if they're they've got a problem and they probably did have a problem. But um, correct, I mean they did. I know, I know who you meant because he talked with me too, and and I admire him greatly. Um, but he recognized that. And then for the rest of the day, he sat there and watched. And I said, just watch people. It's not that they don't want to come talk to me. They're, they can see what this table is about, but they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And that was so easy to see. Them. It was just that people were afraid. But not everyone is. Sometimes uh, there are people who who will take that time and they will come and talk. And I think the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can bring it open and bust that stigma, um, the more people will find out that this is something that that we need to talk about. The church needs to talk about this. Uh, We should be, the the church leadership should be the ones in the lead role talking about this. And I'm going to just give a few statistics. I didn't want to spend a lot of time on statistics because last time I spoke on a program was a lot about statistics and not very much about what can I do to break free from this. Well, yeah, and we want to, I don't want to interrupt you, but we we do want to get into the specifics and the statistics. We also want to make sure we let people know what they can do to actually get free from this. But um, before we get into any of that, if you would just give us a brief um, background, um, tell us your testimony, Lynn, if you would. Oh boy, yeah, it's a it's kind of a long one, you know. I I I was sexually abused uh, when I was very young uh, by a, an older neighbor. Um, I was, and I really never understood that. I would always call it sexually abused or assaulted until I uh, was at a conference and was speaking with some uh, people from the Reformed. Uh, homosexual community that have come back to their birth gender and and through the power of Christ have come back to um, like I say their their birth genders and uh, this man listened to my story and he said Lynn you were being recruited by a homosexual and you weren't uh, you were raped and I it finally dawned on me and that that that's what had happened. I had been, I was being recruited by a homosexual and I had been, and I was raped and it really set a, a bad uh, tone for me at, at about 10 or 11 years old. And around the same time, um, a bunch of older kids uh, gave me a big stack of pornography uh, to keep me busy while they didn't want this little guy tagging along behind him. So I always kind of, in a sense, uh, say, well, it, that really worked. I mean, that kept me busy for 28 years. I had a 28-year addiction to pornography, and I, I, I found some kind of comfort in that, but I ran to that, you know, run, running in the wrong direction, 
trying to find some kind of hope and healing through sex and sexuality that it cannot provide that. You know, only God can provide what I was looking for, but I was looking for it in in sex, and uh, that was not working for me at all. And I really didn't wake up to that until I was 38 years old. Um, my my wife back then uh, had uh, wanted to file for a divorce and wanted to to be just be rid of me. And I could never figure out really why. You know, I'm, I wasn't a bad person. I mean, I had a I had a Bible college degree. I had I was in leadership at our church. I I thought I had all the bases covered, but I had this secret. But and nobody knew that secret. But it was starting to come out sideways, you know. And pornography will destroy your ability to be able to have a relationship. And it was destroying my ability to have that in my marriage for a long time. And I was becoming a, a more uh, coarse and uh, just unloving, uncaring, more self-centered, selfish person. Um, and it wasn't until that time that I I said, man, I, I, know, I knew what my problem was. We had been going to counseling, but I could never tell the truth for that same fear factor. And I finally told the truth. I just, I called up the counselor that I'd been going to and I, and I just said, I got to tell you, I haven't been truthful with you. I believe I know what my problem is. I can't, I'm looking at pornography and I can't seem to be able to stop. And, uh, he's told me that I could, uh, he would continue to work with my wife, but I was too far gone to be helped. And that really scared me. Um, he, you know, he gave me a phone number uh, in New York, and that scared me to death. I'm in northern Wisconsin. They gave me a phone number for New York. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right, that's going to really help me. But it was the best uh, thing I ever did was after a few days uh, call that phone number. And it was for a secret organization called the Augustine Fellowship, of course, started by St. Augustine. And uh, it was a group for sexual addiction. And it now had a new name. It was called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And I found out an awful lot about myself in that short phone call that I was not alone. I was not too far gone to be helped. There was help available for me. And I began to seek that help, uh, first through Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, then through Sex Addicts Anonymous, then through professional counseling, and a combination of all those things together. And uh, probably <laughs> quite a few years, I had an awful lot of, of mental, and we'll talk about that tonight a little bit, uh, awful lot of things that I had to rebuild in my belief system. I had to take out a lot of rotten stuff and replace it with new new things that would that would create a better, uh, more healthy person. So that's um, that. And that took a number of years. I I didn't write my book until four years ago. I have been in recovery for 29 years. So it was a lot of years before I even thought that I could really write about where I had been and what I had been through and, and could maybe start to help other people. 
And you had actually been a pastor during that time, hadn't you? Yes, I did. I was. I, that's while I was in college. Um, it was probably one of the best and worst uh, scenarios a, a pastor could ever want. Um, I was still in, in college, and a little small rural church went through a split uh, over a personality, and um, the the church body that I I ended up becoming the pastor of were all of the elders, the the older people in the church, and all of the younger people left and went with this young pastor. Uh, and I ended up with, of course, the better of the the groups, the really uh, stable, secure uh, mentors. And so they really helped me a lot. So it was a it was a good place for me, even though it was difficult uh, to to be involved with the secrets that I had because I had those secrets then as well. Uh, well, but, and I'm I'm sure I'm I'm positive that there are uh, plenty of pastors uh, dealing with that same situation now. Yep, there uh, are. I'm, Maybe this would be a good time to get into some of those statistics you were talking about. I think I think it would probably be a good time, you know, because it's like you know who's watching. You know, if you're really curious and and you like statistics, I mean, you can go on a website called Enough.org. Uh, they've been compiling statistics on pornography use and in all of its different forms for probably 40 years. I mean, so they have, they have lots and lots of statistics. And uh, so you can find out just about anything you want. But they're going to tell you that today uh, 63% of men and 36% of women uh, were watching pornography while at work this past month. I mean, so it, this isn't something that's just happening at home. It's happening at work, and there's a high percentage of them. Uh, 55% of married men, uh, 70% of unmarried men are watching pornography on a regular base, basis, and it just keeps escalating as you go younger. 87% of college-age men, 30% of college-age women are watching pornography for uh, sex, at least weekly or daily. Um, so it, 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 as the younger you go, the, the higher the use goes. In the church, uh, 65% of the men, 40% of the women, 35 to 65% of pastors, and 47% across the board say that pornography is a problem in their home. Now, the tidal wave that's coming behind that is this teenage boys and girls. 97% of teen boys, 80% of teen girls um, are watching pornography. Already, 23% of the boys and 8% of the girls say that they are addicted to pornography. They cannot stop. That's where my alarm button is ringing loud uh, to say, uh, if pastors... We got to stop the silence. We, you have a high percentage of your kids in your church, your teenagers are watching pornography, and a high percentage of them are saying they're addicted already. We can't be silent anymore. We have got to offer help. We're the we're the church, and the and the, the help and hope for all of us is for what God 
through Christ can do in our life and what his word can do in our life. And if we're not offering that to people, then what, what are we here for? I mean, I, I, my, my appeal just goes out to pastors. You, you got to end the silence. You got to start talking about this. And for pastors who are interested in that, and if they're, and if they're not interested in me, that's okay. Go on the National Center of Sexual Exploitation. It's just called NCOS. And that is a national organization that has all kinds of biblical help aids for the church leadership, for youth pastors, how to talk to kids about pornography, how and download. It's all free, free information to be used by churches. So go on their website and look for their information and use it. They, they have videos. they got PowerPoint um demonstrations on everything from pornography use to sex trafficking and, and it's all for a, you know uh, done in a biblical format so it's very usable within our churches so, and it's uh, this is this is really hitting young people at a younger and younger age um, yes, you mentioned you were you were being recruited uh, back in the day, uh, well, kids are really being recruited now, and they're even using uh, things like video games to do it, aren't they? Yes, they are, and then even more so, like over in, during COVID here, and I, 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 I kind of cringed for a second when uh, one of the tech guys with you was saying, you know, download Google Chrome, and uh, and while kids were doing their homework at home, all of the the school computers were 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 all Google Chrome. That's how they were doing their homework. Google Chrome never turned off the access to internet porn. So up until now this Encos fought a legal battle against Google Chrome for over a year, and they finally won the legal battle, and it was just this past September 1st that Google Chrome turned off access to pornography on, the, on the, that website. So kids who were studying, they were getting pop-ups um, for uh, porn sites while they were doing their homework at home and wow. with their school computers. A lot of people don't know that. Um, it's so, but I've had a, a number of young people or, or parents say, "This is we had this problem. we were talking with our kids, and uh, it came out that they they can't get it out of their head. You know, how do they get it out of their head?" And that's a that's a good question. Uh, but for those parents that you know, NCOS has some information there for churches and and talking about these issues, including. Google Chrome and how ch children were exposed to pornography through that. Um, so now, what do we do um, to overcome the damage that's been happened uh, to these young people? Well, and it's being pushed on the young people in the schools. Uh, yeah. Not, not even. I mean, they're not even trying to hide it really anymore. It's pretty overt um, with is. some of the textbooks and some of the things they have in their libraries. Um, it is, you know, and I, I was doing some speaking at high schools, and the kids really uh, it liked that. And all of a sudden, it was kind of like I got, a, you know, some kind of notice must have went out that I had leprosy or something. 
<laughs> but I, I didn't didn't really understand what was going on until I heard um, a, um, a nationally speaker. Um, I can't think of his name. It doesn't matter. But he was uh, speaking about the schools, John Stone Street. He was speaking about schools. And he said that there is a new move within schools that they somehow think that they they can teach that there is a benefit to pornography for the young people. Mm-hmm. And I, I about fell out of my chair. There is no benefit. But it's that kind of crazy thinking that's entered, that has entered our public school systems that um, parents have got to stand up against it. Um, show up at the school board meetings and make sure you know what's going on in your school. And do not uh, in any way, shape, or form allow um, the teaching of a, some kind of a benefit to pornography because there is none. Every statistic out there for in, the, in regard to professional counseling uh, will tell you that it is one of the most destructive forces for marriage that there is. If you add one of the consequences, if you add porn to a marriage, you increase the chance of divorce by 200%. I mean, it's a bad divorce rate anyway, but you add porn to that mix, and now you just made it a whole lot worse. Well, um, not so long ago, there was a story in the news about a uh, school that had a an extremely graphic um, book in their library and uh, a parent went to the school board to uh, complain about it, and, and she actually read parts of the book to the school board. And uh, there's, no, there's no question that it was for child pornography. Stuff that if the FBI would find somebody on a computer, you would immediately go to jail, and yet this school board was allowing this and even recommending this as reading for young kids in elementary school. And I believe that school eventually pulled the book, um, but within a couple of weeks they put it back. So um, that's, you know, it's, it's in the atmosphere. It's everywhere. You, you can't drive down the highway without seeing a billboard or walk through a shopping mall without seeing sexually explicit photos, you know, larger than life in the uh, store windows. So it's everywhere, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely everywhere. And when you're a, when you're a um, an addict, such as myself, and you put up you put up boundaries of things you you will allow yourself to see and things that you will not allow yourself to see, now you really see it. I mean, it's like man, it's it's uh, it is so true. A proverb said, I mean, she is loud and defiant. She cries out from the highest streets in the city. Um, I mean, you're talking about the wayward woman, but it's it's everywhere, crying out from everywhere, and uh, I, that's the pictures, that's the things that we're seeing. But yet, it is she is the highway to the grave. That the the dead are in her house, and mighty is the throng that has been uh, killed by her. And, you know, those are scriptures that I memorize because I need to know the truth. Because I think sometimes we can, even as Christians, we can rationalize to think, well, I'm strong enough. 
you know, I can rationalize it. I'm going to be okay. I can do this because I'm strong enough. No, you're not. Uh, the scripture is very clear when it comes to the wayward woman, which would be the prostitute. It would be the, the pornography uh, itself is uh, highly destructive and the dead reside there. I mean, it, it is eventually going to reduce you to a loaf of bread, as it says, and it's going to take your life. And I have watched people, I've been involved now in, like, say, recovery for 29 years. I have been to more um, Monday night meetings than I can rem remember. Uh, I've known a lot of people in recovery, and I enjoyed every one of them so far. Uh, people on a, on a journey to, to reconstruct their life after it's been destroyed by pornography, uh, so there is hope and there is healing in that. It, pornography can destroy, but there is hope in it that that God can restore us uh, and restore our life to sanity. And uh, that's that's where I want to leave people with with hope is that we don't have to stay stuck in in the addiction. We can get help. I, I think well, that that's a maybe a good place to switch over to that. Yeah, um, one thing I wanted to mention is that um, I think a lot of the churches that, first of all, the churches should be leading the charge on this, yes. um, you know, leading people out of this. But um, a lot of times they will set up um, special classes or special meetings, and then they're surprised that nobody shows up. Well, our consciences or the Holy Spirit automatically tell us that, you know, this is a shameful thing that we're involved with and we don't want to be associated with it. We don't want other people to know our shame. Right. So nobody shows up. I think what we need is for the churches to do a universal program for the entire church and present this information to everybody, adults right. and kids alike. Maybe, right. maybe if you do something for, um, uh, uh, kids separately from the adults or whatever, but it should be the entire group. It shouldn't be you sign up, put your name on this paper, and then, um, you know, automatically, um, you, you know, you're self-shaming yourself. Right. Just, I, just I a agree. comment. I think one of the, one of the approaches that, that NCOS has on this is that they will first uh, you want to train your leadership. So you want to train pastor and your elders, and then some churches have deacons, you know, but you, all of your leadership needs to be trained into as to what what is pornography, uh, why is it destructive, and what can we do um, for each other uh, to hold each other accountable, <clears throat> first of all, in the leadership. So we got to deal with that first. And then once that's in place and, and there's accountability and there, there is knowledge among the leadership of the church, now we can take it to the congregation. And I think in our uh, church here in Ladysmith, I think we're starting to see that where our leadership takes on a role of, of okay, we're first. <laughs> you know, if we're going to go through something, it's kind of like, well, we're first. And, and uh, they're doing the lead role, and then they, then they can come back, and then they can help other people. 
And I think that that's a good way of doing it instead of just kind of taking that upper hand and talking down to people. It's rather they're coming down to the level of everybody else and then speaking on the same level. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's absolutely what should be done. Um, Unfortunately, I'm sure that you've found that uh, most churches are not interested in having this discussion or having you come to speak. Right. No, uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so. And that's so it's just a, it's a hit and miss, and it, it, uh, you just keep, you know, plugging away at it and, and hoping and praying that um, the message gets, gets heard. Um, it got to me. And it was it, it uh, changed my life that I was able to work through the shame and the fear uh, that somehow I was going to be tarred and feathered, thrown out of the church, and no one would ever like me again. And I found out that none of that was true. Our well, you know, if you, if you do a program for the entire assembly, um you're going to have those percentages that are already involved in this, but you're also going to have people that are not. But right. those people that are not are going to know people that, that do have these problems. So you're equipping them as well to be able to right. go out and help others. Correct. So Yeah, not everyone, not everyone has, uh, has problems with pornography. You know, there are, there are those that, you know, that would be the last thing on their list. But I bet uh, they know but- people who do. So. Right, and they may have they may have other issues. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're it's the, the the enemy that we're up against is is Satan, and he is the master deceiver, and he will deceive even the elect. So I mean, he's a very formidable foe. Not anyone we want to take on on our own in our own power because we can't do it. He's going to wipe us out, and he's the one behind these addictions. And when you brought up addictions in our in American society I believe it's in the 80 percentile over 80 percent of people in our society are addicted to something so it when that happens in a society the addictive norms you know it, addiction becomes the normal of kind of this people think addiction is normal where it's really not at all um, and but it's it, I think that's what's going on in our society. We think addiction is fairly normal. Um, so we got a, I think we got a lot of work to do in regard to all kinds of different sins. And I think that that's, that's something that we, we have to, we have to do in our own life. We have to identify what the sin of that's dragging us down is. And we can do that privately. We don't have to jump right out and say, I'm going to tell everybody in the world about this. But I think we got to do it for ourselves at first to say, what is it that I know is not right in my life? Now, that was, that for me, you know, and we're using me as an example, it was pornography. I, that is my sin of choice. Uh, for many years, and so pornography was uh, my sin of choice. Now, that, that sin of choice could be food, could be alcohol, it could be any number of, of different kinds of, it could be bad habits that you just can't seem to shake this bad habit. But you have to put a name to the, to the sin. 
And then you have to find out, well, what is it that the Bible teaches about that particular sin? And there isn't, you know, you're going to be able to find that, just have a concordance, and you have your sin uh, named, and you're going to be able to find all kinds of uh, biblical teachings on that particular sin. And it's important, at least was for me, important to memorize those things, but not just so I could quote, quote them by memory, but to think about those things. And I think I've told you, Rob, I, I have this little little red uh, notebook that fits in your pocket. And I, I have carried this around with me for 29 years now. And it's, I open it up and, you know, and it's all full of, you know, spilt coffee stains and it's just, <laughs> It's a mess, but it's full of, of my character defects. It's full of, of the list of what my sins are, and it has lots of Bible verses in regard to the truth about my sin. Uh, what does God have to say about that? And then there's there's a lot of scripture verses in, in regard to my character defects. Is that okay? If I'm if my character is not like God's then where do I need to change? And I memorize those scriptures and think about those scriptures and contemplate those scriptures and tell. And then as my counselor that I went to for many years, who has now passed away, went to be with the Lord, um, he taught me three simple words as to what it takes to have this transformation happen in your life. And they're all the same word. It's called practice. Practice. Well, and that little that little notebook you have uh, filled with scripture verses is, um, I would say, an integral part of what it takes to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to renew your mind. Correct. Um, I, I want to just offer the opportunity here for anyone who is uh, in our studio audience today. If uh, do any of you have any questions for for Lynn, I'd like to make any comments. Looks like we have a quiet group today. So, oh, Harry, okay. Harry's back. Harry, do you have a question? Oh, Harry disappeared himself. I guess he's shy. Okay, so go on. go ahead, Lynn. Well, I, I think that you you you, you brought up a, a, a an integral part of where we need to go whenever we have any kind of of sin in our life. The only way we're going to overcome that sin is through the power of God. Now, when we were, there's several scriptures that have become just uh, really uh, important to me um, in you know over time. But one of one of them is just that you know the grace of God has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live upright self-controlled and godly lives in this present age. Now, if the grace of God teaches us that, how do I tap into that grace of God so that I can learn those things and have that in my life and I can escape the worldly passions of this life? Second uh, Peter is very similar and says that as a believer that I can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Well, there's another one promise that I want to tap in. How do I, how do I tap into those two things so that I can have power in my life 
And I'm not living completely defeated all the time. And I think when we try to take on Satan on our own, and I hear people say this all the time, is you got to tell Satan to get behind you. And, and I'm like, not this boy, um, uh, because Satan has beat me up for years and years and years. And I am no match for him. And I don't find anything biblical about confronting Satan at all. But what I do find is the example that Jesus gave to us when he was tempted by Satan. And he always quoted God's word. And okay, uh, uh, I'm going to interrupt you here. Harry has a question. Okay. Well, not so much a question as an apology. I don't know what happened. It knocked Brave completely out and I couldn't get back in. Uh, you know, with this pornography, you know, I, I spent an awful lot of years in the shops, you know, working with, with men and women. And it's so prevalent. Uh, you know, when we're talking from the, well, I started back in the 60s, retired just after the turn of the century. And what, what I found was that the women were worse than the men as far as open, open discussion, open words, insulting, vulgar. Uh, the women were the worst, and I hate working with them. It's just it's put a real bad taste in my mouth about working with women out, out in the workforce. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like women. It doesn't mean that I'm against them. But if I have to work around them, I found them to be much worse than the men. Hmm. I think, you know, and, and years ago, you know, I, years ago, as years pass awful fast, but, you know, pornography was available in, in porn shops and, and kind of magazine stores, and, and women did not go there. I mean, they didn't want to be seen in a place like that. Men didn't seem to mind. So men were more the user of pornography, but since uh, the in invention of internet and internet pornography, that can be done in the privacy of your own home and of privacy at work, and now women are, are accessing it in equal numbers. So it's true that the use of pornography has really escalated among women, and the, the damage done to... The, the brain, um, and there is damage. Pornography will do uh, damage to the gray matter of the brain. And a steady diet of, of taking in pornography is going to cause your brain to look exactly like your brain would look as if you're on cocaine or heroin. It distorts your brain the same way. So there's lots of brain damage going on. Uh, in this gray matter of the brain, and that's probably something that you notice in women. They, they're not the same, um, and that's that's because of, there's damage being done uh, from pornography to their brains, and the same as men. Uh, we're, we're, we don't function right. Uh, we don't function as God would want us to function if we're putting that uh, poison into our brain. So it's a good observation to see that that's, that you can tell it's in happening in women because it is. Well, I think our society in general has become much more crass and vulgar um, over it, the years. It is. It's it's out there and it's open. So um, you see some of the posts that I'm I'm not on Facebook anymore, but 
when I was, um, you'd see some of the posts by young people, old people, um, you know, just uh, constant uh, profanity, uh, swearing. It, it's just part of their vocabulary. It's the only way they know to talk. Yeah, and, uh, and that's, and it's and it's getting it's getting more so you know and and it's so it I think you know to come back to this you mentioned be transformed by the renewal of your mind I mean that that is where we have to go and it's like I I I work with guys in prison I I try to mentor them um, in prison and some of the guys that I mentor will get out of prison and some have uh, some will never get out of prison. But the ones that are going to get out really start working on a plan. You know, what's your plan when you get out so that you don't go back to prison? Because a, a, a prisoner coming out of prison with no plan in a very short period of time is going to go back to prison because they go back to the same old patterns, the same old whatever they did before. They're going to do it again, and they're going to get in trouble again, and they're going to get revoked under probation, and they're going to go back to prison. That simple. Well, it's a, if it's that simple for guys, you know, in prison, it's also that simple for Christians today. When I ask uh, Christians, what's your program? What's your plan? Uh, they really don't know what I'm talking about. And that, and that, of course, it's not fair because a program is something that someone in recovery works. We work a program uh, every day, every week, uh, throughout recovery, uh, most of the time, it's for the rest of our life. And that's what my book is really a, all about. It is the program that I worked and I continue to work today so that I can keep becoming a better person in Christ and grow in Him. So my book isn't just for people with addiction issues. It can be for people who just want to grow in Christ and, and how you do that. But one of the, the only way we are transformed, um, and that transformed is, you know, we, we like to use Bible verses and say, you know, uh, I am a new creation in Christ. Behold, you know, the old has passed away. The new has come. Yes, I believe that there is a regeneration. But unless we change our core belief system, that's what we really think inside of us, that's what our, how our brain works, unless we change that, nothing changes. I mean, we can become a Christian and just keep right on being the same person we've always been unless we involve ourselves in that transformation process where we take every thought captive, and that's from 2 Corinthians 10. You know, the weapons of our warfare are, are, are of God. They are not carnal. They are powerful. Uh, but we have to take every thought captive. Now, you think about that. How many thoughts do you have in your brain? And there are many. And we take every single one of them thoughts captive and decide, is that a thought that God would have? Would he want me to have that thought? Or should I have different thoughts, more godly thoughts? So I have to identify what that is, and in recovery world, it's called a fearless moral inventory. That I'm going to look at my character defects, and I'm going to look at who I am as a human being. Where do I need help? And then I'm going to, if I'm going to be transformed, become new, 
then I have to do that by the renewing of my mind, Romans 12, 2. <clears throat> and that renewing is, and I love that because I'm a carpenter and I've redone about nine homes. And they're not just a little remodel where we paint them. I mean, it's a total gut job. The ceilings come out, the walls come out, the floors come out. It's I might have to call you yeah, all new, all new electrical, plumbing, everything is all changed. And I look at, you know, the sword of the spirit. I, you know, it's it's never an offensive weapon where we should be out there, you know, taking on going after people with that sword. But I look at it more like there's two different things. I look at it as a surgeon's scalpel that I can cut into myself, the Word of God can cut into the bad parts of my being and take them out and ingraft new, and, and the Word of God and ingraft uh, God's ways into my life. As a carpenter, I look at that Word of God as a sawzall. I mean, I can cut out walls, I can cut out all kinds of different things so that now I can build new and put in new things. And I think the goal behind that transformation and that renewal process is the same as it is for a remodel job. If we're going to do a remodel job, the is first mic thing off? you take the uh, before pictures and you, you want to ask a uh, question. What's happening? Uh, Harry has a question for you. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Harry. In, in the years that you've been involved in this, and I'm not going to give anybody an excuse or anything like that. But my, what my question is, the, the, the Bible says that the sins of the father are visited upon the third and fourth generation. Do you see any of that truly follow the, the addictions that, that you've been working with and the people you've been working with? Good question. I think that I think that there there is some uh, a following of that. You know, as far as my parents, uh, uh, my parents were of any if anything workaholics. I mean, they they worked very very hard, uh, farmers, and they both came from nothing and wanted to provide for us kids better than what they had. So they worked uh, way more than they probably should have. Um, so I, I can't say that there was anything passed. I have that same work ethic from my father. So I, I guess that that's been passed on. I find that in my own life, I have a son that I believe, uh, that it's been passed on to him. I have no idea how or why, or, but I believe it is. And, uh, so that has been, um, uh, handed down. I don't know how, but I guess that that sometimes happens, and we don't know how. But I'm finding out more information from siblings as to that that was going on in his life, you know, while it was going on in my life, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, is it in across the board with with other people? I would say. I don't see that so much, but generally there is something. The common thread that I find in uh, anyone that's in sexual addiction anyway, the common thread that I see with all of us is that there was sexual abuse of some kind or an introduction to sex or sexuality at way too young of an age. That seems to be a common factor. 
Okay. Well, um, Lynn, uh, speaking with Lynn Frederick, uh, he's on the phone with us. Uh, he's the author of the book, Stand Firm, and you can find him at lynnfrederick.com. Uh, Lynn writes a, uh, a monthly column in Wisconsin Christian News, and it, uh, I have to say it's one of my favorite ones uh, that I typeset. I have to typeset every every word, every line, every paragraph, every page. And uh, some of the some of the articles I don't enjoy as much, <laughs> but I, I always enjoy yours, Lynn, um, because you you provide um, uh, real answers for people, and, and that's what we want to do. So we have about seven minutes left, um, Lynn. If okay, you well, I still want to finish through. finish with that. That you have to. God's word is where where it's where it's at, and I need to memorize that word. I need to contemplate that word and put it into my life. Because when I do that, it doesn't it doesn't uh, happen instantaneously. I mean, it's this is a long process. I mean, where we work on changing our character defects that we then we practice, practice, practice new behavior that would be more biblical. But when I when I do that. Um, something is happening um, besides just putting in the word. It, I'm at, and if you re, if you read my book, you'll find that in this process what's happening as I begin to tell the truth. I'm putting on the on the belt of truth in the full armor of God. When I accept Jesus as my Savior and I put on the breastplate of righteousness, that I am only righteous by what Christ did on the cross for me, and I have no other hope but to put on the helmet of salvation in my mind and my total being is totally dependent on Jesus Christ for my salvation. Then when I pick up that sword of the Spirit, that sword of the Spirit is... is Engrafting, cutting out the bad parts of who I am, that belt of truth. I'm cutting out those bad parts and I'm engrafting new parts that are based on God's word. And, and I use that in defense against Satan when I am tempted and I, and pictures come up that I, you know, all of a sudden they're there. I, because it causes me to look away because I'm, I am quoting God's word that you cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and pictures of, of women. So that's a constant thing that goes on in my life. And I use God's word as my defense that is hiding behind the shield of faith. So when I'm doing all of those things, all of a sudden I am clothed in the armor of God. And what happens in Ephesians 6 is God is going to tell you three times in the fourth time to stand firm. And the final time is, is that after you've done everything to stand firm, then stand firm then. And that is a command. But when that command happens, it is the same as a commanding officer with his recruits in the midst of battle. And that that man stands and says, stand. And it's under, under that leadership that they stand to fight. The one that was standing with us to fight at that point is God himself. So it's no longer me holding myself up. 
a God who comes and stands with me because I already have the armor on. Now he's standing with me and doing battle for me. Now I can live in that power of God's word to where the divine power of God's word transforms my life. And I think we also need to realize, recognize uh, who our adversary is. Um, you mentioned you work with uh, men who are in prison. Um, there are plenty of men and women and children walking around free that are actually uh, in spiritual prison, yes. aren't there? Yes. Um, they are oppressed by the enemy, and um, nobody's told them how to get free. Nobody's told them how to stand firm. Correct. And that, you know, it's like, um, you know, we're winding down, and I, I just got to encourage. There's so much that can be said. You know, I hate to keep pushing my book, but there's a lot of information in there, but there's also a lot of contacts. But um, you can find contacts in your in your own neighborhood. I mean, I uh, I know of a, a, a woman you know, there's there's all different kinds of scenarios here. <laughs> but when you get a call from someone, they've been married 35 years, and their husband is filing for divorce because the wife is no longer satisfying. He wants to go for a, get rid of her and go for a European woman that would be so much better. Um, I mean, he's believing the lie of pornography. You know, so he's running after some illusion that's not there and willing to give up 35 years of, of marriage to run after something that's merely an illusion. Um, at, at this point, I mean, uh, she asked, well, what can I do to stop this? And I, I have to say, you can't. You have to get help for you. When, when you've been in an addictive tight net like that with two different people, He's an addict, she is a codependent, and they have had a dynamic that's gone back and forth for many, many years of marriage, and they're both so intertwined that neither one of them know who, they, who where they begin and where they end. She needs professional help. So in that, if you're in that kind of situation, you just need to drop your hands. Uh, you can't change anybody but yourself. And you need to reach out for professional help and and start the process. There is no right or no wrong. You just start the process of f trying to f figure out, well, what's codependency mean anyway? And how can I become a healthy person? If you're the addict, on the other hand, the same thing. I mean, you just have to start. Um, your Your spouse isn't the problem. Uh, you're the problem. You have the issue. Who's behind that? Of course, it's Satan. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And that, that word in the Greek means to annihilate. It's the same word that we would use in regard to Hiroshima when, it, when it, uh, the atom bomb went off and it annihilated everything. It just leveled it. That's the same word um, that we find there. So Satan wants to annihilate all of us, just wipe us right out. So he's a, he's a formidable foe, that's who's behind it, but God is much stronger than him, and that's the direction we need to run. 
And you can start by looking. There's um, for in regard to you know sexual addiction, there is Sex Addicts Anonymous, there is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Now all of these you can Google. Uh, there's Sexaholics Anonymous. There's Celebrate Recovery. Now these are some of the more the ones that will be taking place in churches. Uh, Celebrate Recovery, the Conqueror series. Uh, and also every man a warrior. Uh, these are these are all attempts at working at helping people through the issues of pornography, and there isn't anything any one of them that I would say is wrong. I think you just start, and when you get involved in those groups, then you find other people who are connected to the counselors to the other. Uh, parts of the community where you can get more and more help and you can find more and more organizations that you can that you can go to and be involved with and uh, you find a whole recovery community out there that's exciting uh, to be around so and now with you know COVID made this really work out in such a way that you don't have to go to a meeting you can have a meeting right in your own home you can google any one of those Pretty much, especially the sex addicts anonymous ones, and you can have a you can have a meeting, you know, if your computer will work and not like mine did today, um, but if if your computer will run and you can have a meeting right in your own home, or you can do it on the phone just like we're doing right now. And so Lynn, can, uh, we are out of time here, but I, I hate to cut you short, but uh, you also uh, do a fair amount of counseling yourself, don't you? Yes, I do. I okay. talk to people whenever they call. Would you be uh, willing to give out your phone number so people can reach you if they'd like? Absolutely. 715-532-9908. And uh, it's just my wife and I. My wife knows everything about me. She's sitting right alongside of me right now. Um, hi, Terry. She is. Bob said hi. <laughs> um, she, she, uh, we are, we are. So she knows everything. So it's not like you got to keep it secret when you call our house. Um, but it, you're safe when you call our house, and uh, we'll both do it, whatever we can, to be of benefit in any way that we can. And, and again, the website is lynnfrederick.com. Um, hate hate to cut you short, but we we ran out of time about three minutes ago. So <laughs> okay, no, that's but fine. Thank you, Lynn, and uh, folks. We will see you again next week on WCN TV. God bless.